Welcome back to Talking Troll. I'm your host, Anthony Grieve, Sports Editor of Daily Children. I'm joined once again by Adam Jasper, Sports Editor of Daily Children. Adam, how's it going? It's going good. Excited to talk some USC football, as always. As always, but we have to actually start on a different note today. USC women's soccer, some big news broke. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, so it basically broke today. Penelope Hawking, senior forward, uh, became the USC scoring leader, the all-time scoring leader. Uh, she had a goal against Colorado, and uh, she passed a record that was set in 2000 by Elizabeth Harvey. It puts Penelope in the tie for 15th all-time in Pac-12 scoring list. It was her 49th career goal, and it took about six minutes. <laughs> and she had two more goals, or I think one more goal um, in the match. So a big congratulations, Penelope Hawking, senior forward for USC Women's Soccer, who's on, who are also on an extreme extremely impressive win streak so shout out Penelope Hawking Adam any thoughts on this just real quick yeah I mean you're looking at the goals and it's just uh, she's on another level uh that I think the first one actually got scored as an own goal um we'll have to see how that ends up being played out with like Pac-12 and scoring but on USC's website they had it um where the goal that we all thought she broke the record with actually didn't turn out to be credited to her but she scored a second one in the game and that was the one that was just a long shot from way out and it just it, like only certain players can put that goal in the back of the net and she did so very impressive her mobility her finishing ability is um just just top tier yeah yeah actually to confirm that you are right so the first one was called an own goal and then her goal in the 21st minute which is just beautiful was the one that was called as the record break it didn't even matter i mean it took a little, right it was like 20 minutes roughly 15 minutes to get the goal so Penelope Hawkins is just, and USC, you know, women's soccer in general is just on fire. I mean, the 49th collegiate goal is just ridiculous. They're now ranked number 11 in the nation. Um, and look, this team is just outstanding. They've got another game against um, a Utah on Sunday, so make sure to check that out. It's a home game at 2 p.m., so if you're interested, definitely check it out. Um, that's going to be that's gonna be the second time that USC plays um, Utah that weekend. Obviously, the first one. This is against USC football, which we'll talk about right now. USC football, now they're looking for their first home Pac-12 victory. Obviously, their first home victory was against San Jose State, not in the Pac-12. Their second, uh, the two other games they played at home were losses, obviously, Stanford, Oregon State. Uh, USC is coming off that that good good win against Colorado. I mean, Colorado's not a great, not that great, but USC played outstanding, and they got a good victory, and they've got some confidence coming in. Utah is 2-2. Two and two. Uh, they lost to BYU and San Diego State. They were actually ranked uh, when the season started, and, and they've had some trouble. Uh, they were, had, had a bye week last week, but we've got to address really what, what's going on with Utah. It's it's very unfortunate. It's going to be their first game since cornerback uh, Aaron Lowe's death, and it's the second time in, in less than a year um, that, that Utah coach Cal Winningham is trying to help his players deal with the loss of a teammate. Obviously, the first one, Ty Jordan, um, which happened last year. It's, it's really unfortunate. Um, that that this is happening, uh, that this happened. So um, Utah will obviously now have to try to recover and then try to play a game against uh, against USC. Um, you know, for the odds right now, USC is a three point favorite, um, and well, I don't know, I don't know if they're even going to cover that, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, Adam, any any things you're you're looking for uh, for this matchup? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's going to be, first and foremost, whether we're getting the new Keenan Slovis or rather the Keenan Slovis of 
the Colorado game or what we saw against Stanford or Oregon State in the Colorado game. He just looked a lot more composed, willing to take downfield shots. And, I mean, I've talked about this in the past, but it really does look like he's looking at London on a lot of these plays and not taking his eyes off of them. So when London gets open, that's great. And I think Colorado just didn't really have a guy or two guys or however many they could put on him to stop him. And so that was that was kind of what the offensive game plan was built around and the success that it had. I mean, credit to Slovis for hitting them. And for London, making those plays, that one-handed catch in the end zone, just phenomenal. Um, but yeah, uh, it's going to be a matter of whether we see that. Um, are Utah going to be better at covering London? And is Slovis going to have to be looking at Gary Bryant Jr. or Manjack or any of the other receiving options? Maybe some of the checkdowns, um, Keontae Ingram and... Malapai should be available at points. It's just a matter of how many yards you're getting on a pass. Yeah, you had a good point. That's a good point about Drake London, who's been just ridiculous. I mean, four of the five games that USC's played, he's had over 100 receiving yards. Um, he's the clear favorite right now for the for the Blintikoff Award. I think that if USC picks it up a little bit, he might have some Heisman talk. He's probably not going to win, but you know, it's cool if maybe he gets like close. But um, in terms of people that could defend. Drake London, they've got a real great cornerback, Clark Phillips III, freshman who was an uh, state uh, recruit as well, and he's going to be basically matching up with Drake London. So that's going to be a really fun matchup to to watch out for. I think Drake London, like you said, Slovis has just been feeding him, and, and Dante Williams has mentioned it, Graham Harrell's been mentioned it. You know, if you've got a player that good, what's the point of not feeding him? So I think they're 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 picking it up, but... You forgot to mention one person, Michael Trigg, who had that great touchdown catch the other game. I think they're going to get him more involved. I think he's he's a big he's going to have a big role in this offense because he's huge. You can't really defend. It's not easy to defend him. Um, so I think he's going to play big, and I think the run game is going to be nice. Is there anything else you want to mention though about the defense? Yeah, I was going to say I have to give credit to Todd Orlando after that last one. I had some. Uh negative things to say or maybe just not optimistic things to say about him prior to uh this Colorado game but his defense showed up in a big way stopping the run game making the adjustments um very much show credit to him in that regard we'll see if they can do it against a um a Utah team uh that's going to come in and look to implement their game plan but uh from the USC standpoint it looked good they were getting pass pressure too which is something that you know we we've thrown a lot of blitzes but uh it wasn't always affecting the quarterback, and sometimes our corners weren't able to hold off for long enough uh, before the blitz came, but I, it, it looked like a complete product uh, from Orlando's unit, and I have to give him credit for that. Yeah, they did a really good job. I mean, uh, Jarek Broussard is a running back for Colorado. He was the Pac-12 offensive player last year, and they really kept him in check. I think he had probably less than 60 rushing yards and about 15, 16 carries. They didn't let him do anything. And Drake Jackson came alive, two sacks. He almost had an interception. He had a fumble recovery. recovery. Um, which actually, I might, the fumble recovery might have counted as an interception, but it was a turnover anyway. And they also, defense had five sacks, their most sacks they've had in a game since October 2019. So they really came to play. And it'll be interesting how they come out against Utah, who you know is facing a, a different quarterback than the one that they had to start the season. So kind of like a Stanford situation. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And like we mentioned before, actually we didn't mention this, but USC hasn't won a home game, 
a home Pac-12 game since December 2020 against that it was that game against Washington State. So hopefully they can get out of that funk. Um, and the corners, I think the corners and the linebackers who were horrible against well not horrible they kind of got exposed against Oregon State, right? You would say. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they can you know stay consistent. That's the one thing we want to see, just consistency. They've been great on the road, poor at home, which makes no sense. So hopefully they can they can pick it up and get some consistency. I think the run game is going to be nice. Wait, we should talk real quick about Darwin Barlow. I don't know if you noticed that. Darwin right. Barlow getting carries? Yeah, so that was a, a pretty interesting development. We saw the TCU transfer uh, come in and get some snaps, and he was he was making some good runs. Uh, we've seen the 1A, 1B system, and then when Dante Williams came in, uh, the 1A, 1B being with Vave Malpei and Keontae Ingram. Uh, when Williams came in, we saw Ingram kind of dominate the carries, uh, and that was how it was for a game or two. Uh, but Darwin Barlow shows up uh, taking some runs in the Colorado game. He looked lively. He looked quick and agile. And those are two things that you really need to see from a running back, uh, especially on some of those counter runs, those outside runs, looking good for him. Yeah, yeah. So Darwin Barlow, yeah, TCU transfer, like you said, also sophomore. And Dante Williams had a really interesting quote after the game. He said, you know, someone asked, you know, how come you decided to implement him more? And then he said, oh, because he's finally healthy. So I'm not sure if that was a plan for him to get more involved earlier in the season. He just wasn't ready. But, yeah, he looked great. Um, I think he had 10 carries. And Keontae Ingram, who, like you said, was primarily the lead back uh, against Oregon State, especially. And I think Washington State might have been split still. But I think this this trio of Barlow, Malapai, and, and Keontae Ingram is really great. Let me just pull up the stats. So Keontae Ingram, had, yeah, he had 14 carries, Keontae Ingram, 124 yards. Obviously, he has that big, that big run, 53-yard run. Then Darwin Barlow and Vivai Malapai both had 10 carries. And Darwin Barlow had 61 yards, Vivai Malapai had 36 yards. And Vivai had the only touchdown, uh, only rushing touchdown. So that's a, that's a pretty impressive split, 14, 10, and 10. You know, quick math, what is that, 34 carries. That's actually more carries... Then pass attempts. King Soft's at 29 pass attempts. So that's that's pretty interesting to, to pay attention to. It might have been just a Colorado thing. Utah allows uh, the second fewest yards in, in the Pac-12, 304 games. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they'll mix it up. But, you know, you said it. Darwin Barlow looked great. He looked outstanding. And the good thing about these running backs, all three of them bring different, you know, they bring different things to the table. Vivai is more of the solid vet. He's the running back. You know what you're going to get. Um, Keontae Ingram is ex- he's explosive in open field and he's a strong, powerful runner. And Darren Barlow is just quick as hell. He's just so fast and an open field is very difficult to tackle him down to because he's so quick and agile. So I think it's good to have that type of system. But now let's go into what do we think is going to happen. You know, we always say we don't make predictions, but we're going to make predictions anyways. Adam, please tell me what do you think is going to happen? I thought about it for a bit, and I'm going with Utah. It's the first time that I haven't picked USC. Um, of course, this might be the first time that USC actually wins yep. um, a game that we're predicting, but I'm going with Utah here. I, I think the home pre- – it's something about that Coliseum pressure that, that gets to the team, and it kind of makes sense since they're still in this kind of turmoil of having the interim head coach and such. But I think that pressure is going to get to them, especially parents' weekends. going to be a lot of people there. Um and yeah, the spread's minus three. I don't have USC covering, obviously. Uh, 
and we'll have to see. I mean, I think this Utah team's talented enough to give them troubles. And the two times the USC have lost this season, it's really been looking at Stanford and Oregon State, and before the game, I'm always like, well, what do these guys bring to the table? And midway through the game, I'm like, these guys bring a lot to the table. So uh, I'm sure that we'll, or I'm thinking that we're going to see something like that um, with Utah uh, having an explosive game. And I think it could be close, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go with Utah, honestly. I definitely do think, yeah, I definitely think it's going to be close. Um, Yeah, I'm leaning toward USC, but... Utah, I think, is going to be great. Um, Cameron Rising, we didn't, we didn't mention Utah's quarterback, Cameron Rising. He's yet to to get any. He, he's yet to turn the ball over, and he's yet to um, been been sacked um, <laughs> since uh, in this in this season. And now, and he came on after San Diego State, so he's played about um, two games. No, actually, he's played one game. So that's not a that's not a great stat actually. I'm just getting my stats and it's not good. Mm. Ignore that. But yeah, you, you talked about it a little bit the home pressure, the Coliseum. Um, they haven't performed well. It's not a night game. It's 5 p.m. So maybe they come out differently. I mean, I don't know. Afternoon game. What's the difference? Um, so hopefully they can come out. I think the main thing is going to be the energy. You know, the past two home games that they've lost, it's just been bizarre. The beginning of the game, the way it started, it's just been very weird. You know, with the targeting call and then another penalty on the first play. So hopefully that doesn't happen. I think that'll tell the story of the game. But yeah, I, I think I think USC can can itch out a victory. I would love for a dominant performance, but it's you know probably not likely at this point. But it's going to be a good game. Definitely check it out. Make sure to also um, pay attention to our content as we close this episode of Talking Troy. Make sure to also follow us on uh, DT underscore sports on Twitter with all our content and all our football previews and stories that are coming out. We've got a great Q&A with Sue Cravens that's going to be out by the time this is this episode is out. Um, yeah, make sure to follow us on DT underscore sports on Twitter. Make sure to follow our content at dailytrojan.com slash sports. Any final thoughts, Adam? I'm ready to watch it, you know, hoping for the best, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a challenge, but yeah, stay tuned for our coverage. Uh, we're going to have Obviously, the live tweeting, hopefully some live blogging as well. So, yeah, stay tuned. Yep, live tweeting and hopefully some live blogging. Make sure to follow along on our Twitter, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening.